Hello, and welcome to your next episode of Fixing Fitness with Kelly, the show that serves up real talk about fitness with a focus on why traditional fitspo just doesn't serve women in their 30s. Let's talk about what we can really do to get results that make all the effort worth it. Get more on the website at kellymarieroach.com, including exclusive access to my head-to-toe mobility routine when you download my free guide to the five worst exercise cues in the fitness industry. And tune into the Kelly M. Roach YouTube channel for weekly videos offering fresh perspectives on fixing fitness topics. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. So to introduce today's podcast topic, I wanted to add a personal note. And the note is really just about the importance of context and circumstances for some of these topics. So I teased last week that the topic today was seeking to answer the question, can you out-train a desk job? And what I'm going to get into today in the podcast is really uh, the topic of sedentary lifestyles, what that actually means, how it's measured, things that studies are looking at that they previously hadn't examined in terms of how sedentary living contributes to lifestyle disease, all of these dangers, and the importance of being physically active beyond just exercise. The reason for the personal note um, and the reason that today's podcast is coming up late, um, I had tried to reach out to as many of you on Instagram as possible and let you know just via the post there that it would be late. In my own life this past weekend, sedentary living was really the only way to be. Uh, The reason for that is this past Friday, May 12th, I had to make the impossible decision um, to put down one of our cats. Um, This little guy was my constant companion for the last 14 years, and he he was very, very sick. And that didn't make the decision any easier. For those of you out there who are pet owners who have experienced this, just horrible pain. Um, I'm sure you understand. And the reality was that I spent the weekend grieving. My husband and I sort of, you know, peppered our day with bouts of grieving, you know, mixing in some regular activities, you know, just the fundamental basics, take a shower, do some dishes, you know. Um, But the reality was that as sedentary as I was being, it actually probably would have been harmful to me and my mental health to enforce this rule of being physically active and avoiding sedentary activity as much as possible. Um, in fact, the first couple of days, it, it felt like trying to do anything was more like running from my grief than um, helping me through it, if that makes sense. So I just wanted to add that at, just to say Whenever we're talking about things like this, where you should be making a lifestyle change or there's sort of, you know, like a a general rule for optimizing your health and fitness, context applies. So, of course, anything that we say here, if you know for you in your circumstances that it's actually going to have more of a detrimental effect than a positive one, you have to take these things in context. So that said... Thank you guys for tuning in and listening, and let's get on with Season 1, Episode 4. I used to laugh at companies that listed the ability to sit for 8 or more hours a day as a job requirement. 
since this is something most of us had already been doing for many years to educate ourselves enough to be considered for the very jobs we were applying for, listing it as a job requirement seemed fairly redundant. What I didn't know then was how much sitting for more than eight hours a day could negatively impact your health, dramatically increasing your risk of developing cardiometabolic syndrome or lifestyle diseases like diabetes or even cancer. Fast forward a decade or so, and those same companies bitch and moan about the high cost of healthcare. These are costs associated with lifestyle disease. When you have scientific proof that sitting for long periods of time increases the likelihood of being diagnosed with one of these high-cost lifestyle diseases. Do you see the problem here? You're telling me it's a requirement of the job to potentially damage my health, but then you're going to put it on me to lower your costs of paying for my health care that you are making it so I need? And that doesn't even touch on the muscle degradation and weakness that can occur as a result of the same sedentary behaviors. This issue is one of the biggest things that makes fitness different after 35, the long-term effects of sedentary living. If you've had a desk job since your early 20s, at this point you've been doing the 9 to 5 gig for 10 to 15 years, and those negative impacts on your health have been accumulating that entire time. By your late 30s, even if you're fortunate enough to have avoided diagnoses like obesity, high blood pressure, and metabolic syndrome, it's far less likely that you've managed to outrun the musculoskeletal impacts of your career choice. This came as something of a shock to me. As someone who has prioritized exercise my entire adult life and in my 30s learned about nutrition and started prioritizing what I put into my body as well, I was surprised when I started noticing things like muscle weakness, stiffness, and lower back pain once I cleared 35. And none of the work I've done in the time since has seemed to attenuate those symptoms. So it got me wondering, can you out-train a desk job? Popularized studies have examined how much physical activity per day is needed to reduce the risk of various lifestyle diseases. Most of these studies have found that 30 to 40 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity per day can reduce those risk factors. But since I've been meeting or exceeding that threshold for several years, I decided to dig deeper. What I found was a paper examining the prevalence of metabolic syndrome in adults, not through its association with physical activity levels, but with the lack thereof. In other words, the authors studied how the risk of being diagnosed with metabolic syndrome increased with sedentary behavior, rather than looking at how risk levels may decrease with physical activity. While the results of their analysis did support previous findings that increased levels of physical activity reduces the risk of metabolic syndrome, they also turned up something very interesting. Quote, our results suggest that measuring participation in physical activity and measuring sedentary behavior provide independent measures of the activity spectrum of individuals and may provide independent information about the risk of future disease. Further, at higher levels of inactivity, the inverse association between physical activity and the metabolic syndrome was attenuated, end quote. What that means is that sedentary behavior may be its own risk factor in whether you develop lifestyle diseases independent of whether or not you participate in the recommended amount of daily activity. And that last note was especially surprising. 
At higher levels of inactivity, the inverse association between physical activity and the metabolic syndrome was attenuated. What that means is that the principle that getting more exercise can reduce your risk of metabolic syndrome becomes less true as your time spent in sedentary behaviors increases. One article even suggested that if you're sitting for more than 10 hours per day, even an hour-long daily workout isn't enough to counteract it. And this was the aha moment that answered my question. Can you out-train a desk job? The answer, it seems, is no. Because even if you're meeting or exceeding the recommended amount of daily activity, if you're still spending a significant amount of time being sedentary, that sedentary time will put you at risk. And naively, I still thought I was doing okay. There was no way I was sedentary for 10 hours a day. If you deduct eight hours per day for sleep, which is not included as sedentary activity for purposes of these studies, that means that if I was sitting around for 10 hours or more per day, that I would only be active for six. And thinking through my average day, I believed that I was getting up and down with enough frequency to confidently say that I was nowhere near that 10 hour threshold. So, I decided to track it. I carried my notebook around with me for a day and I wrote down a timestamp whenever I sat down. This included activities like TV time, reading, working, scrolling through my phone, and even editing this podcast. Whenever I got up for any kind of activity, I took note of the time and calculated how long I'd been sedentary. And at the end of what I thought had been a rather hectic day of running errands and doing household chores, I had still racked up eight total hours of sedentary time. And the really scary thing was that this occurred on a day that I'd taken the afternoon off from my desk job. So I didn't even want to think about what a full workday would have looked like. So instead, I tried to do this again on a Saturday that I found myself free of obligations and I was full of confidence that I could keep myself busy and active enough to keep my sedentary time to a minimum. But... I stopped tracking when I had exceeded four hours sedentary by 2 p.m., afraid of what the day's total might look like if I kept at it. So clearly, my time spent on sedentary behaviors was far exceeding what I'd thought. And while to this point, I've been fortunate enough to escape diagnosis for any lifestyle diseases, I most certainly have experienced the muscular degeneration and weakness from it. And I started to strongly suspect that this was at least partially to blame for the lack of results I was seeing from my diet and exercise programming. This right here is why Fitness Over 35 is different, guys. This is exactly what I was talking about in the pilot episode of this podcast when I said that fitness influencers are fundamentally unrelatable because they aren't fighting this battle against enforced sedentary behaviors. I am sure that, of course, they all watch television, they sit down to edit their videos, etc., but I seriously question how many of them are hunched over documents, spreadsheets, emails, and meetings for eight or more hours a day on top of it. And if they're still in their 20s, their sedentary behaviors haven't had a chance to catch up to them yet. So what can we do to correct this? In one article I read, the MD author suggested using sedentary time to break up physical activity rather than the other way around. I was surprised to read that a, quote, prolonged bout of sedentary time is only 20 to 30 minutes of inactivity. 
Ideally, we would be clocking only 5 to 10 minutes of sedentary time at once with lots of breaks in between. It's also important to note that just standing up once per hour does not have a material impact on health risks associated with sedentary behavior. So how much activity do you need to start seeing the benefits? One study conducted on a population of individuals with chronic kidney disease found that substituting two minutes of sedentary activity with light intensity activity, such as walking, every hour was associated with lower mortality risk in the entire study population. The bottom line was that even small amounts of light intensity activity can add up week to week. So obviously there's a significant range between two minutes of light activity every hour and the ideal of only accumulating sedentary time in bouts of five to 10 minutes. Happily, I think it's easy enough to get up and do a two minute lap around the house or office every hour to go to the bathroom or go refill your water. But how could you progress from two minutes of movement to more like 30 minutes of movement every hour? Moreover, how could you accomplish this during a workday? Thinking back to last week's episode about wearable devices, one of the downsides that I mentioned was the mental drain of constantly being distracted by reminders to check my rings and stand up. And it's really amazing how fast the first 50 minutes of an hour go by when you're working on something. And the next thing you know, your reminder goes off and you think, didn't I just get up and take a lap a couple of minutes ago? So you ignore that reminder until another hour has passed. And if I thought that level of frequency was a distraction, I couldn't imagine how I would feel about being reminded to get up again after just five to 10 minutes of sitting at my computer. So I decided to take the easy way out and focus on my non-working hours first, because as I mentioned earlier, when I tracked my sedentary time, I was really unhappy to find out that I spent the majority of my evenings and weekends being sedentary too. And what annoyed me most about my evening sedentary time was that while my mind needed a break to zone out at the end of the day, my body really didn't. What I needed was a mindless form of physical activity that I could do while letting my mind wander off through Instagram and Netflix. The solution seemed simple enough, a treadmill. Not the monstrous versions you see in the cardio bay at the gym, but those small quiet ones that people started putting under their standing desks, which is an experiment I intend to try, but I need to upgrade some of my office furniture first to allow for it. So after doing a few hours of research, I purchased one of these from Amazon. And the first day that I had it, I traded an hour and 15 minutes of couch time for treadmill time while just watching TV. The second day, that went up to an hour and a half. The third day, I even stepped away from my desk mid-afternoon for a 15-minute walk and scroll session. Not exactly reducing my bouts of sedentary time to less than 10 minutes each, but it was progress. And I noticed some things already starting to happen after just three days. The muscles of my glutes, hamstrings, inner thighs, and core were waking up. I fell asleep more easily. My posture, even while seated, was improved. Those same muscles that I felt waking up while walking seemed to stay awake while I was sitting. My anterior pelvic tilt was easing up. And I had more mental energy and focus in the afternoon on the day that I took the quick stroll after lunch. The whole experiment had me on the lookout for more opportunities to stay in motion, either by looking forward to hopping onto the treadmill again, or getting up and around doing chores, taking out trash, checking snail mail. All of this was groundbreaking for me. 
I've spent decades focused on workouts and logging time spent exercising. And I fell for all the fitspos who claimed that you could get fit in just 15 minutes a day with a fast hit workout. And I do still love a quick circuit workout, but the missing piece that was right in front of me all along had nothing to do with my workouts. It was what I was doing with the rest of my time. So now my focus is on how I can continue progressing to more time spent active every hour with the ultimate goal being to stay sedentary for shorter amounts of time. So I hope that this podcast was very eye-opening for you guys. That's always my goal is to bring you guys more information and insights about why fitness after 35 is so different. And this one was really huge. So keeping my introductory note in mind, I hope that you get around to experimenting with this. I'm going to continue experimenting with this. Um, I feel like there's maybe a YouTube video in here somewhere uh, that might be forthcoming. So if you haven't subscribed, go and check that out. And I will be back next week with a fresh topic here at Fixing Fitness with Kelly. Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you again soon.